On today's episode of Locked On Canucks, we finally got the decision. Bruce is back. Yes, Bruce Boudreau is back to coach the Vancouver Canucks for another season. We will, of course, break it down. What does that mean going forward? And so much more about the Canucks bench boss coming back behind the bench. And also, it's another day and another segment of our greatest Canucks series. It is Locked On Canucks. Happy Friday, everybody. And it starts now. Your Locked On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today. Friday, May the 13th, Friday the 13th episode of Locked on Canucks. I'm, of course, your host, Justin Pooney. You can, of course, find me on Twitter, underscore Process Sports. And, of course, like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, I want to thank you for making Locked on Canucks your first listen of the day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasting services. Guys, a big day. In Canuckland, as the one, the only Bruce, there it is, has returned to rejoin the Vancouver Canucks for his full first full season. I guess you could say his second half of the season or whatnot. Um, the Canucks confirmed the release that the 67 year old would return for the 2022 2023 campaign. Of course, Bruce took over. In the beginning of December, when the Canucks got off to that absolutely horrible, horrible start, where we saw Jim Benning get booted out the door and Travis Green get booted out the door. And let's just say it how it is the Canucks went 32, 15, and 10 for the remainder of the season. Um, where you know they were dead last in the Pacific Division, they worked their way up to only being five points out of the playoffs. As we, as we all know, I talked at nauseum about it, uh, you know, leading to the playoff chase. You know, the Canucks, there's a lot of positives going on. And Bruce Boudreau, I said at the end of the year, Bruce Boudreau deserved to get another crack at coaching this team for a full year. Now, I thought they were going to give him an extension, but Jim Rutherford and Patrick have been putting the pressure on, basically saying to Jim Rutherford, I'm not saying to Jim, saying to Bruce Boudreau, we will not offer you a contract playing hardball with him. We will not offer you a contract but you will honor the contract you have right now. So you can opt in before June the 1st. Now, the deadline was June 1st because Jim Rutherford, again, as I mentioned last week, he understands the game, not only the game of hockey on the ice, but he also understands the game of hockey in the front office. Playing those mi- those shrewd tactical mind games to manipulate other people and manipulate the system to get what he wants and get answers he wants at a premium and at a eight you know, as soon as possible and that's what they did you know Boudreaux could have dragged this out till you know the end of the month uh, the couple weeks and then decided on the last hey I'm going to come back but now that he is back the real work begins you know Boudreaux said in the release his desire was always to come back he loves the organization loves the city and he's also grateful for the opportunity that he was given uh, by Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin now he did speak to the media um about an hour or so ago, and we're going to, I want to dive into what is going to go next for Bruce Boudreaux and the Canucks going into next year, because now 
coaching was off the list, and that was probably the biggest thing on the offseason checklist that Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin had going into next year. So next is the contract situations. And what does that entail? Well, we've talked at nauseam this week about Andre Kuzmenko and how that affects him. Now, you know if that I mentioned the other day that because Brujo is such a big part of the recruiting aspect, and now that he's back, that looks like the chances of Kuzmenko signing with Vancouver are increased a lot. Now, reports are indicating that his agent and him are looking at wanting to pick a team that can obviously has the cap space going forward to sign him to a longer term deal. Now we know the Canucks cap space is, you know, not the best, but in consideration with other two teams that they're competing with Edmonton and Vegas, the Canucks are in my opinion, in prime position to make a move at him. Um, I think um, going forward with Brudro, you now know, okay, this is the style we're going to play. This is the structure. Now, Style and structure is one of the problems that Jim Rutherford had at the end of the year that he discussed last week. He felt the team did not have enough structure and a certain style of play. They're depending too much on Thatcher Demko, which was absolutely correct. Thatcher Demko should not be put in that position to be said, hey, Thatcher, stand on your head, keep us in the games, and we'll try to score as many goals as we can. That will not work for an 82-game season and a playoff run. The Canucks need structure, and now... With Boudreaux getting a full offseason, we're not only going to get rookie camp, training camp, um, all of that. You know, now that he's back, he can start working with players and all that, implementing his systems and really digging his teeth into because it's hard. It is very hard for a coach to come in midseason after all that prep work in the preseason and the offseason was done with Travis Green. And then you kind of scrap it midway through the season or a quarter way through the year, and then try to work your way up to speed. Now, we'll see what transpires with Boudreaux going forward. Um, This year is going to be critical for him. If he wants that contract extension he covets, he's going to have to prove it to the Canucks front office, and that is the situation they have put him in. What happens if this team goes on a losing streak and all these questions by reporters come up with his job security? I think Boost Boudreaux has been around the block long enough to handle that, to withstand that. You know, he wasn't in it. This might be his first time in a Canadian market, but he was in a market in Washington where there was tons of pressure around those teams as well. So it's not like he's adverse to pressure and coaching in a pressurized market. The biggest thing, going back to the structure and the keys, when you look at the Canucks, when they were successful from, let's say, 2008, 2008, 2009 to 2020, 12, 2013, we can see the last of that lockout year. Structure was key. The team was a puck possession team, and that was their identity. So now Bruce Brujo has to find and determine the identity. The same, again, it goes all goes back to that same thing I talked about in the very first episode when I took over Lockdown Canucks. Organizational goals and organizational structure. They have... Ownership, front office, GM, president of hockey operations, vice president of hockey operations, and head coach now intact. That structure, that hierarchy is now in place going forward to next year. The messaging from top to bottom, from Francesco Aquilino all the way down to you know the minor leagues and Abbotsford Canucks and everything, it has to be the same. And that is where the work between... Boudreaux, that bridge between the players and the front office, where that bridge is Bruce Boudreaux, 
that is where it is going to be so important to see how this relationship goes. Because quite frankly, I think we can all say this relationship is not, it's not on roses. It's not the best relationship considering what Jim Rutherford just said last week. He didn't give him a resounding, you know, why, why would Jim Rutherford go out there and say all that stuff he said about Bruce Boudreaux last week, if he didn't have a thousand percent support, it was the contract that was given to him. And, you know, if they didn't, if they let him walk, or they hired another coach, the Canucks would be on the hook for him, right? So this was a critical thing that had to transpire. It transpired. Going forward now, I want to see this team and this franchise have a structure of the way they play. I want them to have an identity of how they're going to play. If you want to be a puck possession team, be a puck possession team. Stick to it. If you want to be a running gun team, stick to it. But we know, but the way I see this team structured is you have a backbone and net, you have strong forwards. What are you going to do on the defensive side of the game? How are you going to build that defense core? Are you going to trade Oliver Ekman Larson? I don't think so. You have him, you have Tyler Myers, you have Quinn Hughes for the, you know, for the time being. You're going to have to figure out a structure that best exemplifies a way to highlight each player's strengths. What's Quinn Hughes' strength? Moving the puck up, pushing the puck up the ice, skating. Ekman Larson, yes, he's old, and but he was not bad on the defensive end this year. Offensively, he's not the same guy, but defensively, he's still there. Tyler Myers, you know, the puck can look like a grenade on a stick sometimes, but there are some parts of his game that we can look at. I see Luke Shen coming back because him and Quinn Hughes played very well this year. So you have pieces that you could put together but it's all about the structure and how Bruce Boudreaux wants this team to play. And I want to see something by training camp that says, hey, this is the type of team we want to be. This is how we want to play. And this is how we are going to play. And I want every player to buy in. And then you need to find this summer, find the secondary pieces that fit that structure that will help this team play their way Bruce Boudreaux and Jim Rutherford, Patrick Albeed collaboratively decide on how they want to play. So, big news at Canucks land. Major, major news. Bruce Boudreaux is back for the 2022-23 season after a 32-10, sorry, 32-15 and 10 record in the second half of the year where the Canucks exploded. You know, they won seven straight first coach NHL history. You know, Boudreaux had an immediate impact. Of course, you know, the former Jack Adams winner, he coaches 1,000th game, and he also is going to get a 600th career win next year with potentially the opening game. He's only one win away. So um, big news, exciting news, and it is now time to put the work forward. So I'm interested now. Now we wait and see on how, you know, the draft unfolds, free agency unfolds, trades contract negotiations as i mentioned brock besser's contract situation probably is next uh if they don't figure something out with him then you might see a trade eminent like i think is going to happen um then probably jt miller bo horvat deals are going to be looked at so there's still a lot of work to be done but the number one list on number one bullet on that checklist has now been crossed off Bruce Boudreaux is back as head coach of the Vancouver Canucks for the 2022-23 season on a essentially prove-it deal to see if he could deserve a longer-term contract extension and if he could finally, finally 
get the Canucks back in the place. And finally, we can go and extend it because I'm sick and tired of seeing these other teams playing in game sevens, game sixes, these high-pressure events because the Canucks need to be in it. Fans in the city want to see it. We all want the Canucks to be in positions to be successful. That's all we want. That is all us Canucks fans want. So, Brujo is done. Now it's time to build the rest of this roster and build the structure and build the style of play of how this team is going to be going forward. Okay, I am fired up. Um, so coming up after the break, we're going to talk about our greatest Canuck series because it is another day, another segment of the greatest Canuck, of one of our greatest Canucks and our greatest Canuck series. And we're going to highlight a Swedish defenseman who, quite frankly, um, gets forgotten a lot, lost in the shuffle, um, no, it's not Alex Edler. It is number two, Matthias Olin. So coming up after this, we're going to dive into Matthias Olin's tenure with the Vancouver Canucks. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar. Imagine dipping your finger into the plastic tub of a birthday cake frosting and opening your eyes and realizing there's only 150 calories and 16 grams of protein. That is what I like to eat a birthday cake puff from Built. I just received my birthday cake puffs, and I've never had anything like this before. They're available right now, and we can't promise they will be here tomorrow. So get them today at Built.com. And if you haven't tried the puffs, let me, in on, let me let you in on a little secret because that's what friends do, and we are all friends now. I feel like I'm a part of your friend circle, your squad. Um, Chocolate-covered marshmallow protein bar. Yeah, you heard me. Delicious flavored marshmallows covered in 100% real chocolate. Make every day your birthday with Built's birthday cake puffs. Built has taken the delicious experience of biting into a fresh slice of birthday cake and robed it into 100% white chocolate with added sprinkles. Like I said, 150 calories, 16 grams of protein, only 9 grams of sugar. This limited time flavor is an amazing option if you are looking for a healthy way to get flavor and variety in your day. All Built Puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means with Built, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. And they are, are made of a, with collagen protein, which is protein that absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Go to Built.com right now after I just explained all of those wonderful things and get your birthday cake puffs now. That's it. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Once again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay. As I said, big day in Canucks land. Bruce Boudreau is back in the saddle or back with the Canucks for another year. And as I just mentioned, exciting times ahead. But as I said before, another day, another segment, another part of our greatest Canucks series where today we're going to dive into another Swede. The Canucks have a very rich history of Swedes from Thomas Gredin to, you know, Marcus Naslin, Henrik Daniel Sedin, Alexander Edler, Elias Pettersson, hopefully, um, to Matthias Olin, who, of course, rep with the Canucks from 19, I believe it was 1999-98 till 2008. Spent the better part of a decade with the Vancouver Canucks and became a franchise cornerstone. Was an, was <clears throat> excuse me was inducted into the Canucks ring of honor back in 2016. He was a all-star and he was the Walter Babe Pratt winner, the best Canucks defenseman for four, for four years. So Matthias Olin, let's just Matthias Olin 
was drafted by the Canucks back in 1994. But he didn't come for it took him four years to come to the NHL. And by that time, he was re-eligible to join the NHL draft. I did, actually did not know this until I was researching this before the show. But Matias Olin was drafted by the Canucks in 1994, the first pick 13th overall. But rather than join the Canucks, he stayed in Sweden over a contract dispute. And he played in the Swedish leagues for a few years. And then four years after, he re-entered the NHL entry draft and signed a contract with the Toronto Maple Leafs worth $10 million over five years. Now, the Canucks did still have his rights and they dis- smartly decided to match it. And then Olin made his debut with the Canucks in the 97-98 season. And he scored his first goal against the Toronto Maple Leafs and Felix Potvin, which was very, very interesting. Um, he won the Walter Bate Pratt Trophy. He was also nominated for the Calder Trophy his rookie year. He finished 11th, but he was the fifth highest scoring defenseman that year amongst NHL rookies. He was named to the All-NHL rookie team. And in his second year, he was named a replacement for the NHL All-Star game. And he scored 35 points in 74 games. And the one thing about Matthias Olin was he actually recovered from a very horrific eye injury. In the beginning of the 2000 season, Olin took a puck that deflected off a stick and struck him in the right eye. He missed the first 38 games of the season, and he had to have surgery to correct his vision. And that's why you saw him wearing a visor going forward. But he came back, and he had to deal with that. But he came back and had a great, solid career. He had a career-high 36 points um, in 01. And the one thing I want to talk about Matthias Olin was he uh, registered team record. You know, was finished the numbers first. Sorry, excuse me. Over his 11 seasons with the Canucks, he registered team records of 93 goals and 325 points for defensemen until Alexander Edler passed him. His 232 assists ranked fourth among Canucks all defensemen, and he played 770 games with the Canucks, uh, second amongst defensemen, and fifth overall. And he also was the biggest mentor to, of course, as I just mentioned, the guy who broke his records, Alexander Edler. And the way Matthias Olin played the way he played he was an all-around strong defenseman and what by that i mean is matthias oland played the game from the back end, in my opinion the right way he wasn't nick lidstrom a former swede who won who's in my opinion probably the greatest defenseman i've ever seen play but matthias oland was an absolute just cornerstone, just a rock. And when you're building a defense core, as the Canucks need to do right now, you need a guy that can kind of do it all. And Matisse Olin could do it all. As I mentioned, he could put up, you know, 35 to 40, 30 to 35 points a year for a defense, which is quite good. It's not your 50, 60 points you see now, or Roman Yossi with 90. But, you know, a guy that was physical, you know, those battles he had with Jerome McGinley, I remember vividly, you know, him and McGinley just going back and forth, back and forth. But he was just a strong force, just a calming influence. And you need that on the back end. Like, we saw that with Luke Shen is on the same level as Matias Owen. But you need a guy who's has such a calming influence out there on the ice that when he's got the puck, you look at Tampa. Again, Victor Hedman's a lot better than Matthias Olin, but the way those Swedish defensemen play, that style where you know they just have that calming influence where 
They don't seem to get phased. They don't get flustered when the puck's on their stick, where you see a lot of defensemen when the puck gets on their stick in high-pressure moments. It's like a grenade on their stick, and you think it's going to blow up, and you're scared every time they touch the puck. That wasn't the case with Matias Ola. He could go back, pick the puck up, make an outlet pass, and you know move up with the play. And then he also had the physicality where he wasn't going to get pushed around. That's what I mean by he was a strong rock on the Canucks back end. During those West Coast Expressers that I've mentioned, took them out of the doldrums that they were in before. So when I look at Matthias Olin's career, and when I look at his time in Vancouver, he not only was a leader and a mentor in the locker room, but just a calming influence on the back end and just a player that exuded so much respect in the Canucks locker room. And I also think, again, I heart back on these West Coast Express teams. And this is the last player of those West Coast Express years before we go into the, you know, the t- late 2000s, early 2010s uh, team. But just a final point on that era of Canucks teams with Mark Crawford as a coach, you know, Brian Burke as a GM, Marcus Naslin, Tra- Todd Bertuzzi, Trevor Linden, um, Matthias Oland, you know, all these guys, Sammy Salo, you know, these guys built a cult rebuilt the culture and the foundation of the Vancouver Canucks. And I I know they didn't make a Stanley Cup finals. I know they didn't have the playoff success, but what they did was something that needs to be t- discussed more about how they helped raise this team up from the ashes where, you know, they had this high 94 and they fell and they crashed. And the, the they kind of rebuilt the organization, they rebuilt that foundation, and it was a strong foundation with guys like Matthias Olin, who was a leading force, a leader on that team, who had brought, you had a strong leader like Brian Burke. You had a guy like Mark Crawford. You had the superstars like Naslin and Bertuzzi. You didn't have the goaltending, which was eventually their Achilles heel, but the, that that whole West Coast Express era of Canucks just brought back joy to hockey in Vancouver. Something that was missing for a lot of many years after 90 to 94. And there was no more joy in being a Canucks fan. And this, that group, that era, re-put it back together and rebuilt the team that, again, allowed this next era to take this franchise to levels in regular season success and postseason success that haven't been matched ever since. So, again, Matias Olin, one of the greatest Canucks of all time in the West Coast Express era of the Canucks. Thank you for all the memories. Thank you for making me a Canucks fan. Thank you for bringing joy of hockey back into Vancouver. And many people out there might forget about the West Coast Express era. I certainly will never forget about it. Um, and quite frankly, you got, that era deserves its roses um, as much as any other era in the Canucks because of what they did and rebuilding this franchise back to a certain state of respectability. So thank you once again. Coming up after this final break on our Friday episode, it is Friday. And there's a bunch of Game 7s happening this weekend. So I'm going to give you guys my predictions on the three Game 7s we have on Saturday coming forward in the NHL, where it's going to be very, very interesting. So stick around for that. But first, I want to talk to you guys about BetOnline.net. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
Okay. First of all, I want to thank you guys for all making Lock Talk Canucks your first listen of the day or your second listen of the day. I also want to um, say that Thursday's episode will be uploaded at the same time as this. I don't know why it was taken down. I'm trying to figure that out. Uh, but both Thursday's episode and today, Friday's episode, are be up as soon as I'm done recording this episode for your listening pleasure. So thank you for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. Next listen, check out Locked On Now podcast. Excuse me. Check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. Of course, as any podcast on Locked On, it is free and available wherever you get your podcast services. So guys, big, 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 big Saturday tomorrow in the National Hockey League as we have three game sevens between the Carolina Hurricanes, Carolina Panthers, I got NFL moment, Carolina Hurricanes and Boston Bruins. Of course, the Toronto Maple Leafs taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning in game seven. And then the Edmonton Oilers play host to the Los Angeles Kings in game seven. We could have some more. Uh, currently, it is 3-3. We have another one coming up between the Rangers and Penguins. We'll see if Sidney Crosby patched up. That'll probably be Sunday. And currently, the Dallas Stars are up one nothing, trying to force a Game 7 in that series. And the Florida Panthers and Washington Capitals are to OT right now uh, to see who forces a Game 7 in that series. So we could have a total six Game 7s, which would be absolutely nuts. Um, but let's focus on the ones we know certain are going to be this weekend. So uh, first of all, I think if Crosby cannot go, um, Pittsburgh will not win this series. They were up 2-0, and I just don't trust Louis Domingue in that. Um, he's Louis Domingue. And without Sidney Crosby, who's playing unbelievable hockey, um, I don't see uh, them winning Game 7 at Madison Square Garden. Then we go to Boston and Carolina. The game's in Carolina. I still think Carolina's a better team. I think Carolina will win this series in 7. Um, going out west, I think... <sighs> Edmonton, I want to say the Oilers. Uh, Evander Kane has been absolutely on fire. Seven goals in this series is nothing to sneeze at. You know, he put up the whole seven, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. Um, but maybe a lot of people, of course, people in hockey don't like that because if you bring the attention to yourself, it is wrong, which is a whole other topic, that whole other side topic that we will. I just don't want to get into because it's just, it frustrates the living daylights out of me. So I'm going to go with the Oilers, but I'm not very confident in that. And finally, the Lightning versus the Leafs. And if you, when you hear tomorrow, uh, the yesterday's episode, uh, I went on a little laughing spree about the Leafs, and I kind of talked about how really being a Canucks fan is not that bad if you're not looking from a Leafs fan perspective or an Oilers fan perspective. Um, but man, this is giving me hardcore 2011 vibes for the Leafs. Like, if the Leafs, it feels like the Leafs kind of have to win, otherwise they're going to be in big trouble. But it's the Leafs; you don't really know if you trust them. So, quite frankly, I'm not even going to give a prediction for that game because I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. The Leafs could win and it wouldn't surprise me, or they could lose and it wouldn't surprise me at all. And I'd love the carnage. I absolutely would love the carnage, but I don't know what's going to happen. So, for the Game 7s that I know that are going to transpire this weekend, I'm t- if Crosby does not play, Rangers win. I want to say the Oilers win. But I'm very scared about picking the Oilers. I think the Hurricanes win that game easy because I think they're a better team than Boston. And also, I picked them to win the Stanley Cup. So I need them to win this game. And the Leafs, Lightning, I, I can't give a prediction because I have no idea what is going to happen because I could see both things transpire and I feel equally strong about both of them. So I don't know. All I'm going to say is Canucks fans, just get your popcorn out, enjoy. 
If the Leafs lose, laugh. The Oilers lose, laugh. If whatever, just have a good weekend. Enjoy. The weather should be nice. Have a, summer's almost here. Bruce Boudreaux is back. The greatest Canucks series continues on Monday. Next week is going to be in a new week. More topics, more fun. Thank you for listening to Locked On Canucks and making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. For your next listen, check out Locked On NHL from the first round matchups to each Stanley Cup kiss. Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. And of course, it is free and available wherever you get your podcast services. Guys, take care. Stay safe.